Heavenly Father, the world needs more of you, Jesus, and never more than a time like this. And so I pray, Lord, you would be uniting people to yourself and, Lord, to each other. I pray that we would hear exactly what we need to hear today. So tune our ears and our minds and our hearts to, to grab a hold of what you need us to grab a hold of today. Uh, Lord, I ask it in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, 1997, uh, a great book came out that I absolutely loved, and it was by Mitch Albom, who is an author and a writer and a broadcaster in Detroit, where I grew up, and he wrote this book called Tuesdays with Maury, and in the last year to celebrate the anniversary, they have developed a podcast which takes some of the recordings that he made 20 years ago. Uh, For those of you who don't know the story of Tuesdays with Maury, it was Maury, who was a professor that Mitch had when he was in college, and he was dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. And Mitch recalls on one of the last podcasts, he, he said, it amazed me at how many times I could have missed the moment to have this life-changing interaction with a man who was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. And he talks about the influence that Maury had made on his life. And all the different things that had transpired because of those conversations that he had. And he said, I can remember walking into his class and I almost turned around and walked back out. He said, I don't really want to go and I'll just skip this class. Not really that big of a deal. And he said, unfortunately, because my name was Album, um, he was going through the rolls as I was walking in and I heard Mitchell Album. He's like, well, I'm here. And he said, well, Mitchell, do you go by Mitch or or, uh, Mitchell? And he said, well, my friends call me Mitch. He said, oh, well, then it's Mitch, and I hope we can be friends one day, too. (laughs) And he said there were many of these interactions that he had in the classroom with him, and they struck up a friendship, and when he graduated, uh, he made that promise that maybe a lot of people have made, maybe you've made at some point. I I promise I'll keep in touch. Well, he never did keep in touch, and it was years later as he was traveling and on a beat somewhere and in a hotel room, and he's uh, flipping through the TV channels, and he sees his old professor being interviewed by Ted Koppel, as he has been diagnosed and dying with Lou Gehrig's disease and he's having this conversation and he remembers that promise he made. And so he calls up his old professor. He said, man, I'm so sorry I haven't kept in touch with you and can I come see you? He said, well, you can come on Tuesday. Those are my office hours. (laughs) And so every Tuesday he would fly from Detroit over to New England and he would spend every Tuesday with him, with his recorder, listening and talking about life. He said, are you gonna teach me how to die? He's like, no, I'm gonna teach you how to live. And it was those conversations that so transformed his life. And Mitch said, I I shudder to think about how many opportunities I almost had to miss that life-changing moment. And it made me think of, I wonder how many opportunities I've missed throughout the years to have conversations with people where people have come into my life and I've just missed the chance to step in and to hear a story that would have just transformed the way I live my life. And, And maybe you're already thinking about regrets that you've had with this. Well, Jesus' words were some of those that I I think Jesus, as he was praying, I I don't want you to miss this moment. And for so many people, I think they have. This is the longest prayer that's recorded that Jesus prayed. And it so captured John's heart that he wrote it down. We have it in John chapter 17. Some refer to it as the high priestly prayer. Right before Jesus is betrayed and handed over and he's gonna die on a cross, He is praying for you, and he doesn't want you to miss the moment. 
So would you open up with me again and just look at a few of these words from John chapter 17, uh, starting in verse 22. Listen to these words of Jesus. Don't miss the moment. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. This is what Jesus wanted his disciples to experience. This is what Jesus wanted you to experience. He wanted you to experience oneness with the Father. This is what we were created to be in an intimate relationship with our Creator. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, there's an interesting word that's used a couple times in those couple of verses that it's easy to just gloss over and miss the nuance of, and it's simply the word may. That you may be one, that they may be brought to complete unity. In other words, it's not a foregone conclusion that just because you're a follower of Jesus means you're going to be united intimately with God and, and with one another. Nobody drifts into unity with God and with other people. And this is what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And Pastor Jet started out the first week talking about if you want to experience unity with God and with other people, it requires time. There's no microwave approach to having that kind of unity with God and with other people. It takes time. And then last week, Pastor Tim reminded us that it requires discipline as well that we can't just drift into that relationship. We have to discipline ourselves to walk with Jesus because we will drift away from him, unity with God and with others. And today what we want to talk about is it also requires a plan. I don't know about you, I think of plans, and the first thing that comes to my mind is I think back to when I was graduating high school, and I couldn't wait to get off to college, because I'm like, oh, I can't wait where there are no rules, and I can just do whatever I want, whenever I want, and I don't have my parents around to tell me what I have to do, and, and then you get to college, and you quickly realize, well, wow, there are some rules while you're in college. When you're living in a dorm, there are rules that you have to follow, and, and there are rules still in the classroom. I'm like, wow, this isn't all it's cracked up to be, and then you realize pretty quickly, hopefully, is that you realize that I don't make the best decisions for my life. <laughs> and often I think just me doing whatever I want is not a really good plan. And, and so you can live life without a plan. You can't live a good life without a plan. A good life requires a plan. <laughs> and so what we want to do today is sort of outline what that looks like for you, and I want to pull out a couple of different proverbs that I absolutely love. Um, a lot of times, people will take a proverb uh, chapter a day because there are 31 days in a typical month, and there's 31 proverbs. I'll read one proverb a day and just continue to do that over and over throughout their life because there's so much wisdom. And here's one that I absolutely love: uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Now, I think about that verse, I can't help but to think about something that happened to my wife and I when we had first moved here. We like hiking. I don't know. Anybody else like hiking? Okay, there's a few. Thank you. Uh, a lot of people don't like raising their hand in church because they're afraid they're going to be called on uh, for that. Um, but I like hiking. My wife likes hiking. We're still trying to work out who gets to set the pace um, as we go through our little hikes and walks. But we love, and we heard that uh, the Grand Prairie Reserve um, was a great place to go hiking. And it's not that far from our house. We got a babysitter, and we walked over to the preserve and went there. It's like, wow 
wow, this place is amazing. And quickly went down one of the trails, and we're like, wow, this is like you're out in the middle of nowhere very quickly. And as we're walking through, and let's take this trail, and now let's take this trail. And, and all of a sudden, we started realizing that it's starting to get a little bit dark. And I'm like, man, I don't really know. None of us really know where we're going, so maybe we should start working our way out. And so we're on this trail, and there's a little one off to the side, and um, I said these infamous words that, hey, let's go this way. I think this is a shortcut. <laughs> yeah, and so we take the shortcut. My wife, in, in her wisdom, she's like, are you really sure that's a shortcut? Which is a really nice way of saying, I really think you're wrong, and this is going to end up poorly. No, come on, I know where we're going. And, and so we head on this little trail, and we go down about a 20-minute journey around this trail, and it leads right back to that same point. <laughs> I'm like, man, that is not good. Now it's even darker, and it's like, hey, it's all right. And she's like, man, things are going to come with snakes. And I'm like, sorry, I got a flashlight um, on my phone, so we'll just use that. And I look down on my phone, I got like 5% of my battery left. And, and now the heart is starting to pound just a little bit, because I'm like, wow, now I've got my wife lost. She's, I'm sure, very upset with me. I have no idea where we are, or how we're going to get out of the woods at all. And you just sort of have that silent prayer, because I don't want that to be out loud, that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, God, get me out of here. I don't know where we're at. I'm like, well, let's pick up the pace a little bit. And we're, I'm just thinking, man, the babysitter is going to be calling the police. Like, we don't know what happened. We don't know where they are. And they're going to helicopters searching for us. And so we're, we're picking up the pace, and we're walking along. And there's nobody anywhere on this trail. I don't hear anything. I don't see anybody. And finally, in a distance, I see a couple of people, evidently the second to last people on the trail that day. And so I'm like, let's catch up with them. Hopefully they know where they're going. And so we boogie up and catch with them. I'm like, are you heading to the parking lot? They're like, yeah. And can we follow? Yeah, sure. Just follow us. We know where we're going. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and I was just sort of amazed at that picture as we got into the car. And I think, boy, that's a great analogy for life that so often we think we've got a shortcut, we've got a way around, and we get completely lost and turn around and we don't know where to go. But it's just like God, isn't it, to work a path back toward that other path. That all of a sudden you just think you're out in the middle of nowhere and God just brings you right back to the main path. And I can remember getting back to that main section. You can see the parking lot in a distance and just like, oh, thank you. And this is what our God does over and over again. I was reading an article this last week and it had um, in there four words that people with high emotional intelligence speak on a regular basis. And the four words are this, I do not know. I do not know. I do not know. And this is what emotionally intelligent people realize is that I, I don't have all the information. I don't have all the knowledge. In another podcast I was listening to, uh, the author was talking about this statistic, and I found this very interesting. He, he said 65% of the Nobel Prize winners profess faith in Jesus. And the reason I find that interesting is because only 31.2% of the world's population professes to be followers of Jesus. And yet more than double of that are Nobel Prize winners. And I can't help thinking that I think part of that is when you're a follower of Jesus, there is something intrinsically wired into your brain, or at least should be, that, man, I don't have all the information. I don't know the path on which I need to go. I don't know where I'm heading. I need somebody and more information than I have in my little brain, that there is a God who created the universe who knows all things, and I want to tap into him. And so what we want to do today is hopefully give you a few good reasons why it's important to plan your life. Because nobody really just drifts into unity with God and unity with other people. It's important to have a plan. 
And a couple of good reasons to have a plan. Uh, number one is it'll bring peace to your life. I'm amazed as I talk to people, especially ones that from the outside look like they've got everything all together. Like you'd look at them and you're like, man, they really, their life rocks. They got a family, they got a good job, they've got money in the bank account. It looks like everything, they got their health. It looks like everything is going on great. And if you can have a, an intimate, personal conversation with some of those people, most often what you're gonna find is, man, I just do not have peace in my heart. I, I feel like I'm still chasing something and, and it's not satisfying. And like, what is that? What is it that you have that seems to satisfy you? There, there's a peace in your heart, Paul writes, it's a peace that surpasses all human understanding. That there's a peace in, inside of you when you're a follower of Jesus. Look at this proverb, Proverbs 16, uh, verse 7. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. And it's easy, I guess, to gloss over that and say, well, your enemies, I guess that means people who are just against you. So some people you don't really like, and they're going to have to like you. That's what God does. I, I'm not really sure those are the enemies. I'm sure more of the enemies are, are more those voices that we hear in our head. That you've messed up too much. God really can't forgive you. Your life really doesn't matter. Nobody cares if you're here anymore. And that peace that God gives when you're following him and when you're on that path, when you've set your direction intentionally, you've made a plan to follow him. You find this peace that resonates in your heart. And most people will do one of two things when they feel that, that sense of peacelessness in their spirit. They can either push it back down and just try to ignore it as best they can, but it's still there. Or you can go, God, what are you telling me? And maybe what he's telling me is you're following your way. You're not following my way. You're following your heart's desires. You're not following my heart's desires. And boy, when you do that, and it doesn't mean you have to live perfectly because we all veer off the track. We all take little shortcuts around. But God in his mercy, man, when we finally come to our senses, God says, okay, I'm gonna work that path right back to where you need to be again following me. And that's the peace that God brings when you make a plan for your life. Because if you wanna follow yourself, you have no idea where that's gonna end up. When you follow Jesus, there is peace in your heart. Second thing that God brings you when you make a plan is he brings joy. And what I don't mean by joy is happiness, because that's what most people think of. You're just happy and there's a smile on your face all the time and nothing else really matters and you can go through whatever valley in your life and say, oh, everything's gonna be fine. It's not really what joy is. And I love this word in the book of Acts. Paul quotes this as he's preaching. So the Holy Spirit is just moving among people and Paul's given his first, or Peter's given his first sermon. And he, he says this, you have made known to me the paths of life you will fill me with joy in your presence. You will fill me. You will fill me. In other words, I might not have it right now going through this season of my life. I might not feel joy in my spirit right now, but I know, Jesus, as I follow you, as I plan to follow you, that eventually I will, um, you will fill me with joy in your presence. That is the promise of God. Now, Peter didn't make up those words. Those come from actually King David in Psalm 16. And they so resonated with Peter that he committed him to memory. And he spoke him at his first sermon. 
What's interesting about those words of King David in Psalm 16, um, David wasn't going through an easy season of his life, and we know that because it's called a mikhtom psalm. You know, at the very beginning of Psalms, you ever read it? It's a psalm of David, a whatever. It's a mikhtom. And we don't really know what that word means. Nobody really knows what that word means. But we see it in some of the other psalms. In some of the other psalms that's written, we know that these were written in just dark times of King David's life. And you can see that in Psalm 16. In the midst of that, he writes, you have made known to me the paths of life. Even in the midst of chaos all around me, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Which I think leads to a great question that I'd love to talk about with people. You know, why, why follow Jesus? Can't I just make a plan for myself? I want to be happy just following my own direction and my own heart, doing whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it. Isn't that really where peace and joy comes from? And most people who have lived long enough and have chased after that will tell you, no. Here's the benefit of following Jesus. Number one, it's a lasting over temporary. I can think of nothing more depressing in life than to just live your life and realize it's, it's over. And in a couple generations, nobody really is going to remember you, that you even existed. That's really depressing. Not that we need to make, make a name for myself, but I hate to live a whole life and go, wow, that was for nothing. Last week, I was over in Redeemer Lutheran Church in Cisco, uh, preaching for them and, and led a Bible study. They wanted to go through the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel is a great, great book. I love the book of Daniel. And they said, well, we're on chapter two. And so I was studying chapter two and looking at chapter two and leading through chapter two. It's a story of King Nebuchadnezzar. And he has this dream. And he's so disturbed by it, nobody can interpret the dream for him except Daniel. So Daniel comes and interprets the dream. And the dream is about the statue. And the statue has a head of gold and, and um, silver breastplate and bronze legs and then clay and bronze feet. And Daniel tells him, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are that head of gold. Yours is a great and grand kingdom. And after that, your kingdom is going to come another kingdom. Not quite as good, but still pretty good. And then after that, another kingdom. That's the bronze kingdom. And then he sees um, a hand, not a hand of a man, um, but forms this rock and just crushes the statue to the ground. And most commentators will tell you those empires were the Babylonian Empire. That was uh, King of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. And then you've got the Greek Empire that came after that. And then you've got the Roman Empire that came after that. Great kingdoms. Man, these are not just puny little kingdoms in the history of the world. These were mighty, powerful kingdoms. And I love what Daniel says about them. God reveals that to him, and he says, you know, he crushes them, and they become like chaff on the floor that the wind blows away. And I thought, boy, isn't that true? Babylonians, gone. Greek Empire, gone. Roman Empire, gone. <laughs> Puts things in perspective. But he goes on to say, but I am building an eternal kingdom. I'm building an eternal kingdom. I'm building it. Daniel was a part of it. Jesus' followers in his day were a part of it. We're a part of that, that God is building an everlasting kingdom. And so when you're a follower of Jesus, you have lasting impact in your life. And to me, I get excited about that because I want my life to have done something besides just lived and breathed. And God says that's one of the benefits. The second one is this. You get to know the goal. If you're following your own path for your life, you don't know where that leads. You might hope where it leads. You might think you know where you're heading, but you don't really know where you're going if you're following, because you haven't been there before. You're just hoping it goes in that direction. 
But when you follow Jesus, you know the goal. And the goal certainly is heavenward in Jesus. And what a beautiful reminder on All Saints Day that that is where all the saints who have believed in the name of Jesus get to experience. But there's more than that here on earth. That what God is working out in you is to become more Christ-like. You become more like Jesus the more your plan is to follow him. And Paul describes that in Galatians 5. He calls it the fruits of the Spirit. That what God is going to work in you, this is the goal that God has for you when you're a Jesus follower. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that God is working out in you. And I've never found anybody that says, you know what, I don't really like those. I don't need any of those in my life. In fact, I'd like just the opposite of those. Please, now, everybody wants more of that in their life. And Jesus says, this is what you get when you follow me. This is the goal, that I'm giving you more of that. And the longer you follow me, um, and the longer you stay on my path with me, the more you get to experience that. So you know the goal. And finally, my favorite one to talk about is this one, that you get to know the unconditional love and forgiveness of God. I hope you never get tired of hearing about the incredible love that God has for you in Jesus. I, I'm always just amazed that, that God didn't just say, fine, you want to follow your own path? You want to follow your own plan for your life? Fine, I'm leaving. And he could just take his hand of blessing away and we could go back into chaos and disorder. But God says, I love you too much for that. I, I created you, I knit you together. I know the plans I have for you. I don't want to just let you go and let you do your own thing. I care too much about you, and so I'll, I'll come and I'll die in your place, that you can be forgiven, you can be restored, that you can come back on the path again. And God, time and time again, calls us back to his path. That's that unconditional love of God and that forgiveness that he gives to us in Jesus. Man, yesterday was such a fun day out here in our parking lot. We did the trunk or tree. And it was amazing to see how many people walked through. And Ken, one of our staff members, um, had a little clicker. And was his new people were coming in. He was click, 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 click. And after uh, three hours at the end of the day, we were sort of cleaning up a little bit. I'm like, man, how many people did you get going through here? And he said, uh, 1,465. Whew. Like, wow, I knew there were a lot of people. I didn't think we had that many people walking through. But the amount of candy and stuff we went through was amazing. And, and just seeing, and so many people from the community walking through here, and, and so many interactions with, with a lot of you who decorated your trunks and, and just shared love with people. I, what a great example of that. And there was a little kid who obviously was just learning to walk, and he wanted to, to get on his own. He was constantly just sort of throwing his parents' hands aside and trying to walk on his own and doing that little toddler, you know, walk kind of thing. And, and you know, he'd, want, he'd fall over, and his parents would come and pick him back up. And, and it was so fun to hear him in his little costume, and he gets back up, come on, you, you can do it, take another step, and just learning how to walk, and it brought me back to those days with my daughter, and I'm like, man, that seemed like that was yesterday, where we're just trying to teach her how to walk, and I, I thought, man, isn't that just so true about how God interacts with us? You know, one thing that stands my heart more than anything is when I hear people say, I, I just really think that God is disappointed in me. I'm like, boy, where did you get that? I mean, could you imagine uh, a parent sitting down with a toddler? You're never going to learn how to walk. You might as well just crawl for the rest of your life because you just keep falling down, keep falling down. I'm done picking you back up. No, no parent is going to do that. Why would a good father do anything different with you when you veer off the path? So why story after story in Scripture, the prodigal son is welcomed home. 
that God forgives you and can restore you back in that relationship, that God is working and putting people in your life to take you as you've gone your little detour route to bring you back into his presence and to walk on the path that he's laid out for you. Maybe that's a word that some of you just needed to hear today. You're loved by God, regardless of what you've done in your past. That God is for you, and he's got better plans for you. This is why you should follow Jesus. This is the way to a good life, a way full of peace and, and joy. I want to give you something to, uh, to really do, and I want to challenge you to do this. I'm a recipient, I've mentioned this several times, on Sunday morning we have a group of guys that will come and meet at 7 o'clock and we pray out in our lobby out here, we talk about what's going on in each other's life and then we go around the campus and we pray and then the last thing we do at 7.30 is we lay hands on whoever's preaching and we pray over them. And I tell you, I can't imagine getting up here without having a group of guys encouraging and praying and praying that the Spirit of God would use me. Because I tell you, the way I wake up is not, man, I can't wait to do this. I'm so excited to bring the name of Jesus to people because in my spirit, that's what I want to happen. But the voices I hear in my mind is, you know what? You didn't prepare enough. Oh, you really should change that outline. You, nobody's going to really listen to you. You're not really making a difference anyway. And, and those are the things I hear. And then I come, and I have a group of guys gather around me, and they pray for the Spirit of God to use me in a powerful way. and just invigorates my spirit again. And I tell you, that was really uncomfortable for me for a long period of my life. I grew up praying um, memorized prayers. Pray this at the meal. Pray this when you go to bed. <laughs> you pray this in church. And, and those were what I prayed and never really prayed out loud for what was going on in my spirit until I had some people come along and encourage me and, and challenge me. And I tell you, it had transformed the way I've lived with Jesus. And I want that for you. And so I want to give you um, just a very easy couple of steps that you can do. Um, number one is you can just simply text PRAY to 833-440-0137. And you'll give one of three options, depending on your comfort level. The first option is you can just leave your prayer request there. And confidentially, we share that with just the staff and the elders. And so we're the only ones who get that prayer request, and we will pray for you, and we would love that. And if all you want to do today is just give us your name, and just would you pray for me? Or if there's something specific we can pray, we'd love that. Please give us that opportunity to know that we are praying for you. We'd love to do that. The second option you, you'll have is you could leave your phone number and somebody will call you and pray with you over the phone if you'd like that. And I tell you, it's wonderful to have somebody pray with you if you've never done that before. What a great step. Just call them up and say, here's, here's what I'd like you to pray for. They will pray with you. We've got incredible prayer warriors who love, love to do that. Third thing you give an opportunity to do is you could, when we don't have communion, which is on the second and fourth and fifth Sundays in the month, um, you'll have an opportunity to click on that after the worship service, and it'll send you to a Zoom room, and you'll get a Zoom link, and you've got a private chat with somebody. And so all these prayers are confidential. And we want to help you connect with Jesus, and that is one of the best ways to do that is to pray. Another thing I want to encourage you to do is to set up your plan. And I love our Connected Home Center, uh, which is outside in our lobby right out to the left. And if you're watching online today, uh, you can come anytime throughout the week during business hours. We will bring you over here and let you browse through all these materials. They are phenomenal. If you're here today, encourage you to pick this up, or you can just text PLAN to 833-440-0137, and you'll be able to get any of these links. And these are called My Home Plan. We've got one for adults, one for kids, one for teens. And it's an opportunity for you to go through and just sort of check off, boy, where do I really need to set my path a little differently? 
And so we encourage you to grab a hold of these and, and intentionally set your direction. Put a plan in place to follow Jesus because nobody drifts toward unity with God and unity to others. We drift away from unity with God and unity with others. We have to have and dedicate the time and we have to be disciplined and we have to have a plan in place if we want to experience unity with God and unity with others.